Today, we're looking at what NFL.com writer Lance Zerline has to say about Florida Gators draft prospects, and we'll wrap up by talking about this Florida Gators women basketball team and how they finally did right by Coach Kelly Ray Finley, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and for every listen to the podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Run Your Pool. March Madness is here. And with Run Your Pool, they have a better way to create your bracket. RunYourPool.com is the premier sports pool hosting service. Happy Wednesday. I am Brandon Olson. Twitter's WNS underscore Brandon. Written work with Whole9Sports.com. Getting right into Lanzerline's thoughts on Florida Gators draft prospects that are at the Combine. So he's got four reports out, and we're going to take a look at the player, the grade, the strengths, the weaknesses, the pro comp, if there's one, and if he has any sources say section for the players, then we've got that covered too. Uh, first up is Kyrie Elam, and I'm going in grade order, so I, I didn't go like, oh, offense, defense, whatever. I just went highest grade to lowest grade. So first up is Kyrie Elam, who has a grade of 6.35, which means that he will eventually be a plus starter. So he'll eventually be a good starter. He's got him listed as a low end or as worst, a corner three, corner two, most likely will be his range. But strengths are the ability to mirror routes, which is big for Kyrie Elam. You know, he, he's gotten that, he's gotten that praise as someone who's who's taller, he's high-waisted, he's got very long arms, but he's pretty good in coverage at flipping his hips and switching with receivers, and he's got the ability to mirror routes like that, and press coverage is another strength that Lanzer line listed, and I think that one is is very obvious. You know, everybody, when you talk about Kyrie Elam, you talk about his physicality at the line of scrimmage and how he can use those long arms in press coverage and kind of kind of jam up these receivers, and that's a big thing for him because when you look at scheme-based a lot of people talk about him playing in a press scheme because he's so good at just just disrupting routes as a corner. And if you don't know how difficult that is, it, it, it's very difficult. I, I played corner for a bit, and um, to say I was bad at press coverage would be probably the biggest understatement ever. I was just god-awful playing press. It's incredibly difficult. Timing is very difficult, and getting that strength and that push in there is very difficult. And the ability to squeeze to the sideline is a big plus for Kyrie and Lance has listed also. And I love that because when you look at playing defense, a lot of times as a corner or a safety, whoever's in deep coverage, you're told the sideline is your friend. Be between your receiver and the sideline or be between, keep your receiver between you and the sideline, push them to the sideline. because It's very difficult to make that play if you're running out of space to make that catch. So Keeping the receiver between you and the sideline is big. Cutting off that inside it also means a lot when you get to actually make a play on the ball because if you're between the ball and the receiver, then, I mean, that's very difficult. If they've got to throw between you and the sideline, that's very difficult to do for a quarterback. Weaknesses, too handsy. That's something that we've heard so much of. You know, Trevor Sycamore was here for Monday's episode of Locked On Gators, and he was saying the big issue with Kyrie Elam is he's very handsy and grabby, and that that hurts a lot because he said, you know, a quarterback on a third and long could just say, 
I don't care what it is. I'm throwing at whoever is covered by Kyrie Elam because maybe he'll commit a penalty there and then we get a free first down and yardage. So that, that's a big thing with Kyrie Elam. That's what everybody talks about. His handsiness, his physicality, downfield, his grabbiness. It gets called a lot more in the NFL than it does in college. And the lack of effort in run support is something that we hear for corners specifically incessantly. And I'm of the type where I'm not going to hurt a corner if he's not great in run support most of the time. If you're if you're in a cover two scheme, I think it's different. I think you've got to be physical in the running game and you've got to be able to get in there. But if you look at guys like Greedy Williams, who from LSU a couple of years ago, he was killed for a lack of run effort and it's like, or for a lack of effort and run support. And it's like, I don't think that's that big a deal. If that's not something you ask your corners to do. It's like when you talk about a quarterback and you're like, Oh, well, he's not super mobile and he, he's not great. If we want to run with him and it's like, well, if you don't run with your quarterback, does it really matter to fault him for that? So things like that, that might've been a bad example, but it, it is what it is at this point where I, I don't think that's something that you really fault Kyrie Elam for Unless he's unless you need that in your scheme, it's great to have. I don't fault people a ton for it, but I do give bonus points if you are a good run support corner. And the pro comp is Jalen Johnson, who's a Chicago Bears corner. He was a Utah Ute, and I, I like the comp. You know, J- Jalen Johnson, someone who stepped in immediately and got got good playing time and played as a legitimate starter. Like he wasn't just like we suck at corner. No, he earned that spot, and he's been great for the most part as a corner on the outside. So I like the Jalen Johnson comp and I, I, I get it. I see it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a very good fit, a very sound fit. And then sources say we've got one for this. Uh, the quote is, I just think he got a little lazy with his technique in 2021, but he will be fine. I like him from an area scout before I leave it to the NFC team. Uh, I, I, I think that's fair. You know, a lot of people have complained about him not living up to the hype in 2021 and the tape in 2020 was better. We'll see what he does at the combine and and if he can convince these coaches that and these NFL teams that in the NFL, it's going to be very different. I'm going to kick that that gear up. Uh, next up is Damian Pierce, who we all love, running back out of Florida. Grade is 6.29, eventually an average starter. That's what 6.29 means. The strengths, I mean, I love this one. I love putting it down. Grown man, physique, and power. And I mean, that's... Look, Damian Pierce is not a hard evaluation. You watch him and you go, ton of power. I mean, he he can create yardage, but ton of power. Just contact balance through the roof. He's great at that. He's a powerful runner. Vision is a strength that Lance Erlon has listed, specifically when working the off tackle. So when you're going, you know, if the tackle's got the push to the outside, you cut it in. If the tackle's got the push to the inside, you cut it out. Stuff like that where, yeah, I think that... uh. As hard as it was to to see with so few carries, um, Damian Pierce really showed that in, in Dan Mullen's system specifically, he could thrive as a runner. And I think that as we move towards more wide zone offenses, that's gonna be that's gonna be big. Like I've mentioned, I would like to see Damian Pierce with the Titans, but if we see him throw throw him with the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel as their running back, and he's gonna be a savage in that scheme. So it'd be great there. The ability to work as a receiver over the middle is another thing that Lance Erland has listed. I mean, we saw Damian Pierce literally just go up the seam over linebackers between safeties, make plays. I believe it was a Vanderbilt game. He went right up the middle, had a massive gain. And, and we've seen that while 
while, while he wasn't asked to do it a ton, he's shown that he can work as a receiver. Weaknesses, um, I, I, this one bothered me uh, just because I'm like, I don't think this is a weakness. Just nine games with 10 plus carries. I get that he meant it as we've never seen him really be able to work a full game and see if he can shoulder the load as a lead running back. But I don't think that's a weakness. I think that's more like, I think if you phrase it as a question mark or whatever, then sure. But just nine games with 10 plus carries, that's a big plus because that's less tread on the tires. Not super shifty. That's fine. Um, similar to a, a corner that isn't great in run support. Maybe, I mean, Damian Pierce, you're not going to be like, oh yeah, you're our scat back, buddy. Like that's not his role. So I think that's fine with that. And hand placement and pass protection, I just disagree with. Um, Simple like that. Like that's one of the biggest weaknesses I drew in reading the report, which is all on NFL.com for all combine participants. You could read it. It, it it's great to see what a pro thinks of these players. Uh, but hand placement and pass protection, I just disagree. I, I think he's a fantastic pass protector. And the pro comp is Isaiah Crowell, which I saw some people like Isaiah Crowell. It's like Isaiah Crowell for a while was a very good running back in the NFL in that running running back by committee scheme. So. I, I have no problem with Isaiah Crowell and, you know, a ton of power. And I know a lot of people also say Mike Davis, and that's also a fair one. I, I haven't worked on comps yet myself, but I will say that Isaiah Crowell isn't a bad one at all for Damian Pierce. It's the new year, so that means it's New Year's resolution time. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Bill Bar in your plan. I'm really bad at keeping my New Year's resolution. Y'all know how I do it. I Sweet tooth, baby. That's all me. Every year, that's what it is. It's already coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars have 130 calories and four net carbs, just four net carbs, along with 17 grams of protein. So, Built Bar, thank you. Throw out the hidden stashes, the Reese's in the desk drawer, the Kit Kat in the cupboard. Just get Built Bar. You don't got to sneak around. You don't got to feel bad. It, and it tastes delicious. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so you'll never get bored of the same old thing. Or if you want the same old thing, Keep ordering it. I don't care. It's your stomach, not mine. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, 1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at Built or BuiltBar.com. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Be sure to check out the Lockdown Bracket Breakdown on March 14th right here on the Lockdown Gators podcast feed and YouTube channel. Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and Lee Sterling give you an in-depth breakdown on every matchup. Will the Gators be there? We'll find out. Looking at Lancer Lines reports, the final two Gators at the NFL Draft Combine, Zachary Carter, grade 6.2, eventual average starter, so very close grade to Damian Pierce, which also, uh, Damian Pierce was way closer to Kyrie Elam than I thought he'd be. Kyrie Elam was 6.35, Damian Pierce 6.29. That is close. Damian Pierce is closer to Kyrie Elam than he is to Zachary Carter, according to Lancer Lines. So that was... Interesting, not that I agree or disagree. It was just interesting to me. Eventual average starter in the NFL is Zachary Carter's grade. The strengths that he could play inside and out, we know this. Zachary Carter is arguably the most versatile defensive lineman in this draft. When you look at maybe not in terms of, you know, finesse and power, but in terms of can he play positional versatility, I think that's the biggest thing for Zachary Carter. That That's his biggest plus compared to so many other defensive linemen in this draft class. Also, the variety of rush moves. You know, uh, Lance Zerline lists the bull rush, the rip and dip, the swim, 
all, all these moves where Zach and the uh, pass rush plan is a big thing for Zachary Carter, where he goes into it and, and he's not stumped. If you stop his first move, he's going to just work with a variety of moves to try to shed these blocks. And I think that's big when you look at someone who is going to be asked to move around the line, you know, certain players it's like oh well well, he's a little stiffer as an offensive tackle and so get get around him get more finessey with it instead of just trying to run through the like like trent brown you know instead of trying to run through a a just i don't even know mountain of a man get around him and i think zachary carter gives you that also power is listed as a big plus because yes he's not great at getting that edge in fact one of his weaknesses is the lack of explosiveness around the edge, but power is a big thing for Zachary Carter, you know, keeping that, uh, or forcing that offensive lineman back and making like anchoring them, trying to force them to shift their anchor and lose their anchor. That's big for Zachary Carter weaknesses, losing footing too much. He he's, I'll, I'll say the biggest issue with him is, is the sloppy footwork and gets sent to the dirt too much, or he gets put on the ground too much as Lance Erline says, but, uh, yeah, I think, or I believe the exact quote is, spends too much time on the ground. Um, but Zachary Carter, I, I think footwork is a little bit of an issue for him. Uh, I think the upper body is fantastic. The lower body, sometimes he, go, he gets a little bit like Bambi, and um, and there's a little bit of an issue there. But I think if he can clean that up, we're looking at a, a maybe not high-level starter, but an above average starter inconsistent motor is an issue too, which again, like that, that's a thing that it, it happens with a lot of guys, you know, they get a little tired and it's hard to be like, I'm going to go full go right here. It's, it's difficult to keep that up. And I, I also agree. Yes. That is a big negative for me. Um, like at that point, I'd rather say, like take yourself off the field at that point. If you're not going to be a full go, just, I don't, I, I don't get how you can have an inconsistent motor. Like I'm again, sorry to bring back to my very bad playing days, but I'm someone who's who's full go every time. Like you've got to just keep going, click that second gear. And Zachary Carter, we're kind of waiting to see that. And like I said, lacks explosiveness around the edge is a thing. He doesn't have a ton of bend with him, but I think he's going to be working more head up with a tackle or working inside the tackles. The pro comp is Adrian Claiborne, which is you know a, a big powerful pass rusher who had some very high spots in his career. Sources say he's going to be at different positions depending on the team and scheme, which we knew. But in a perfect world, I see him as a five wide or wide five. And that was a little interesting to me because wide five means that he's going to be lined up outside the offensive tackle. He's going to be on that outside shoulder of the offensive tackle. So if he's going up against a left tackle, he's going to be outside that left shoulder. If he's going to be on the right tackle, he's going to be outside that right shoulder. And I kind of view him very differently. Like I just said, I view him as head up with the tackle or inside the tackles. I wouldn't put him on the edge. I don't think that's where you put him because we've spoken about it. You know, he doesn't have a ton of bend. He doesn't have a ton of explosiveness on the end where I I think he's much more suited to working against guards and working on the interior of tackles. So I I disagree with it, but that guy um, gets paid much more than I do to talk about and evaluate players. So say lovey. Jeremiah Moon is the last player to talk about. There's not a ton on Jeremiah Moon here. It's at a 5.68 grade, which is bottom of the roster or practice squad. A lot of people that I've seen are very low on Jeremiah Moon. And I think a big part of that is, you know, 
Todd Grantham and Dan Mullen, and Dan Mullen moving him from edge to inside linebacker, which I understand to an extent because it's like, well, there's so much edge talent, but they did it with Mahmoud Diabati. They don't do a good job of developing these linebackers, so it's just dumb to move them from edge to inside linebacker. And and Florida, I mean, they did it to Jeremiah Moon. They did it to Mahmoud Diabati, and that's part of the reasons he left, I believe. Uh, but the strengths are length. He doesn't miss many tackles once he gets a line, once he gets a ball carrier um in his grasp it said so it's not it's not just like in his sight once once he gets them very rare is it that they actually shed his tackle um and ability is an interior pass rusher specifically his spin move is big because i mentioned jared davis a few days ago where i like his ability as an interior pass rusher in the sense of you send him to the a gap but you don't show it you just you just blitz him from where he is and I think Jeremiah Moon can find a role there, but I still would. I like, and I know Trevor Sikkim spoke about this on Monday, and I agree with him. I'd rather just see him go back to edge and be a situational pass rusher who can drop back every now and then, but it's not going to work for him to be an off ball linebacker the entire time. Weaknesses, the lack of instincts, which look again, he just moved to off ball linebacker. Yes, he lacks instincts. That's going to be a thing. Block shedding ability in terms of whether it's pass rushing or run stopping, I agree. He he's got a lot of work to do. Jeremiah Moon is not this is not this um this sure product. He's not a finished product at all. And the three season ending injuries in college were a big thing for Jeremiah Moon. But again, he's not someone who um yeah, like he's he's not a low floor player. He's got a pretty high ceiling, I think. But he's also got a very low floor and he he's gonna go day three or undrafted because of it. if he could blow up the combine that'd be great for him but we'll see where it is and there was no pro comp provided for him uh because i get it it's very hard to move edge a linebacker get one year tape and be like this is who this player reminds me of that's very hard to do uh so i i fully understand that march madness is just a few weeks away that means you need to start thinking now about where you're running your brackets this year and if you want to be smart about it runyourpool.com is the place to be along with standard brackets they got pick them survivor it's stuff you won't find on espn or cbs and when you use runyourpool.com you'll be able to set your bracket with me and the lockdown gators listeners for free which i'll get set up in a little bit join the whole network at runyourpool.com slash locked on and if you want to set up your own pool for friends family business whatever purpose i don't care whatever you do it's your money use promo code pure madness at checkout for ten dollars off your custom pool run your pool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize for free free to sign up free to use only gotta pay if you start your own bracket today's episode is brought to you by rock auto with the ever-increasing number of makes and models i mean it's impossible to just know my brother got a new car i all i know is it's a compass that's it. I, I don't know the year, any variation to it. None of that. And if, and if people want to ask me questions about my car, none of that. I, I, you can either come out or I will look it up. That's that's how we're going to do it. Uh, you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home in your pocket. Don't go to those local chain stores. Save time and money when you use Rock Auto. Go explore their easy to use website where even I could use it. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on under how to hear about us box so they know exactly who sent you with amazing selection reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com first things first when talking about this women's basketball team because this is something that i've been saying for a long time at this point and i've been clamoring for it and asking for it incessantly and now we can finally say it 
Kelly Ray Finley, the interim head coach of the Florida Gators women's basketball team, can drop the interim. She has been named the Florida Gators women's basketball coach. Thank the Lord. Full-time head coach. Uh, she has agreed to a five-year deal with the university. I have not seen any financial numbers on the deal yet. I hope that they backed up the Brinks truck for her because she is just phenomenal. The team in 20 and nine this season and 10 and six in the sec. And I don't think it's possible to overstate just how impressive this regular season was under Kelly Ray Finley. Like I, and I get it. You know, you could say whatever you want about the talent we have and the schedule, whatever you want to say, this was phenomenal. Like, like this was a tough schedule. I don't care about the very beginning of the season and how it was a rough start. If anything, that makes it that much more impressive that once this team got their footing, they became freaks. So I, I think you look at it, it was one of the best Florida Gators women's basketball seasons I've in history and one that I've ever seen. And when you consider everything that this team went through, you look at Kelly Ray Finley getting in the interim in July. Then that that was not a lot of time to prepare for the season after that. You look at Lavender Briggs, she got injured and then she transferred. I don't think you could have possibly asked for more than we got from this Florida Gators women's basketball team. Today, Vanderbilt and Texas A&M are playing at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So if you're listening to this in the afternoon, we probably know who Florida's playing tomorrow. But Florida takes on the winner of that game tomorrow afternoon following the Missouri-Arkansas game. The Missouri and Arkansas game starts at noon. Florida and the winner of Vanderbilt and Texas A&M will play 25 minutes after the conclusion of that game. So that that's going to be big. This SEC tournament is huge. I can't wait for it. And if Florida happens to uh, beat the winner of Vanderbilt and Texas A&M, Florida will take on Ole Miss on Friday, which then they'd play the winner of the other part of the bracket. And that's how brackets work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but looking at the individual success of this team as well, Kiki Smith, Kiki, um, she's the same. First team all SEC for Kiki Smith. SEC all defensive team for Kiki also. She averaged 14.9 points per game, five rebounds, five and a half rebounds per game, 4.6 assists per game, 2.4 steals per game on 41.7% shooting, 26.6% from threes. Not amazing, but I, I feel like I've been saying it this entire season. I mentioned the big three that Florida had with Kiki Smith, Jordan Merritt, and Lavender Briggs, who is, of course, no longer with the Gators. But Kiki Smith, has she's been our Oklahoma City Russell Westbrook. She's, she's the renaissance woman, man. Like, like Kiki Smith is a do-it-all player who plays just f- like, like her hair is on fire every damn game. She's phenomenal, and she will be sorely missed as a Florida Gator. But uh, it, it ride ain't over yet, so hopefully we still got some more there. Next is Alberte Rimdahl, who's the SEC All-Freshman team. Averaged five points per game, 1.1 rebounds per game, and 1.1 assists per game. And I know that those numbers seem small. They do. They seem small. But you also have to consider the majority of college women basketball players are upperclassmen because that's how Florida women, that's how college basketball works for women's where, where you're going to be here for four years before going to the WNBA. Uh, and with Alberto Rimdahl, 
they seem small, but she's a freshman that got inconsistent playing time throughout the season. And she had inconsistent involvement in the off in the offense throughout the season where she's someone who I mentioned once the skaters team got their footing, they became lethal. Once Alberta Ramdahl gets her footing under her, she's going to be lethal. Like, like next year, you could say. Next year, I would not be shocked if she... Actually, next year, I'd be shocked if she wasn't in the 10 to 12 points per game range. Um, and she could, she could easily surpass that because she's got the ratty from three. So she could easily surpass that. But 10 to 12 points per game would be like the, the minimum expectation for me for her next year. And like, you could look at games like Alabama, Kentucky and Auburn in just mid January. I believe it was, um, I believe it was Alabama, the 13th of January, Auburn, January 16th and Kentucky, January 20th, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and she, she showed that she could catch fire in a hurry. And she played a huge part in those wins. Sure. You can look at the Kentucky game and say, Ah, she had 15 or whatever it was. I believe it was I believe it was 17, 15, 14. Um, so you could say, sure, she had 15, and it was a game where Florida won by 22 or 25. But that's still a huge, that's still playing a huge part in that win. And Alabama and Auburn, we don't win if Rimdow doesn't have the game that she had because both of those games were games where it's like the rest of the team little bit of question little questionable at certain points but she was just letting it fly from three and even when kiki smith got hurt late in the game last week rindal came in to take the free throws for her she's so clutch at the line so alberta rindal against lsu uh is just very bright future like sophomore junior senior i cannot wait to see what she's going to do for the florida gators and she's going to help build this this nucleus that the gators have Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about our Florida Gators. Now make your second listen, Lockdown NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices, which is honestly my favorite part about that for lockdown gators i'm brandon olson don't forget to follow me on twitter at wns underscore brandon find all my written work with whole nine sports that is w-h-o-l-e-n-i-n-e sports and i will see you all tomorrow